And if you're here for the first time, you probably have no idea what that means, uh, so I'll explain it. But if you have a student or if you have kids and chapel kids, you may have heard that before. And this is what orange means. Orange is a representation. It's when you take red, which represents the heart of the home, and you take yellow, which represents the light of the church, and you mix red and yellow together, you get... Good job. All right, so, so Orange-tober is what we're calling this because we're talking about orange. And we understand that when you, those two influences come together, combined, they, are great, they have a greater impact than they do on their own. And something special happens. And so one of the wins, one of the orange wins or goals that we want to talk about is serving together, okay? When, when adults and young people serve together, when that happens, Something special, something incredible happens, uh, especially when families serve together. And I have seen this um, because it's important for young people to see uh, their, their parents or adults in their lives serve and use their gifts that God has given them to serve other people. I've seen this firsthand. Uh, two years ago in the summer, we were in El Ligo in Mexico uh, helping, to, helping to establish this orphanage. We were helping to build this. And, I mean, we were literally backfilling trenches and building, making block and a lot of really hard work, but I saw students all the way down to, to pre-K kids working alongside of older people, you know, even retirees. And to see the connections that were made, the conversations that were had, that's absolutely incredible. And we want to give you an, an, a way to be able to do that. So we were, we're excited to let you know about something called The Church Has Left the Building. So here's what's going to happen. The, the chapel just passed its 35-year anniversary a few weeks ago. To celebrate that, uh, what we're going to do is, instead of having a church service, this, this worship center, as well as the one in Sandusky and, and Port Clinton, are going to be empty the weekend of November 20th through the 21st. As we, as we do something we've only ever done twice before called The Church Has Left the Building, it's a weekend of service, and it's a way of life. And so we want to help equip you to go out into our community in your own circles of influence um, with your family, with your small group, with some friends, or as a couple, whatever it is, to make an impact, a tangible impact in the lives of other people in our community. And, you know, we're going to give you some ideas on what to do. So, so just over the coming weeks, we're going to give you some more information about that. And even today in your worship program are some ideas on how you can serve together as a family or, or with young people. Because like we said, serving together when, when young people and adults serve together, incredible things can happen. That's a win. So that's how you as a church can be orange uh, even if you don't particularly, like, maybe you're not at a stage where you've got kids right now. Maybe they're older, or maybe you don't have them yet. You can still be a part of that. So we're excited about that. I'm excited about that. Looking forward to it. So like I said uh, earlier this morning during the announcements, we're going to be learning from the book of Ephesians today. Um, so Pastor Charles is going to come and give that, that message. So would you just welcome him, um, Pastor Charles, this morning as we get ready to, to learn from God's Word. Yeah. Thanks. You know, the church has left the building is special to me because my friend Scott, um, he was separated from church and from God for 60 years. He wanted nothing to do with church. And, and till he saw a little newspaper article several years ago saying the church has left the building and he read the chapel was out in the community serving people and it closed its doors. And he said, boy, if, if a church is willing to do that, then I, I want to find out more. And he came to the chapel for the first time, gave his life to Christ, came faithfully every week after that until 
he actually went home to be with the Lord a couple of years ago. And, and it is life-changing. So when we say this is, this is so important, it's important because, because of people like Scott who will experience Christ for maybe the first time in a brand new way because of this. So hopefully you will engage with that. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis, he was in this room of, of the, theologians one day, and, and the story goes that they were talking about what separates Christianity from all other religions. And so the theologians were throwing some ideas out of, of what that could be and, and, and how they would respond to that question until finally C.S. Lewis said, y'all stop, I have the answer. And I'm sure the room went silent as the theologians leaned in to see what was it that C.S. Lewis was going to say. And he said, I know exactly what separates Christianity from all other, lang- or from all other religions. He said, I can sum it up in one word. It's grace. Grace separates us from all other religions. And we're going to spend some time this morning looking at that word grace, and we're going to do that by looking into our our series that we're in for these six weeks called Ephesians. Ephesians, it, it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of people in Ephesus. He wrote it to a group of believers, of church people, and he wrote it to them to encourage them in their faith. And so we want to take a closer look at his letter today, and particularly that word grace. But first, I have a special surprise for you I've been waiting to share all week. There is a friend of mine that attends the Sandusky campus. His name is David Bunce. And, and David is, by day, uh, an engineer. But at night, he loves... Uh, hip-hop music. He's an artist. He writes songs. He records music. He loves it. And we started talking to him about Ephesians, and he said, he said, I think I can write a song to go with every single message of the series. And we thought, we thought is that, can you, that's a lot of music. You think you can pull that off? And he said, he said, I think I, I would, I would love I would love to write a song for Ephesians for every week. And so David's hip-hop name, he goes by the name Intellect because he raps scripture, he raps theology. David can communicate in a way that I, I can't communicate and I'm not cool enough to communicate. David can communicate to a group of people that, honestly, I'm probably not going to be able to reach, and maybe you can't either. And so the purpose of this is, yes, I hope that you get joy from David's songs, but more than that, we hope that you will, that you will download these and share them, and I'll explain to you how to do that. But first, let me share David's song with you this morning to go with Ephesians 2. Check this out. Yeah. There it is, children. Now, why don't we all sing it together? His grace is on my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's on my mind. His grace is on my mind all the time. His grace is on my mind. I am in flow. Yeah, his grace is on my mind, y'all. His grace is on my mind all the time. 
disgrace yo i was a dead man walking the same path imitating others we had chosen to trespass we deserve god's wrath the aftermath for those who oppose but instead get exposed like someone with no clothes the case should have been closed times up the door shut led to a holding cell with both of our hands cuffed the fate of those who chose to live corrupt we never know when our time's up when god's had enough Sons of disobedience, children of wrath, with the same mind that describes the nature of all mankind. Blind leading the blind, our fates were intertwined, but we didn't know that grace was a part of the design. And now I got grace on my mind. It's so hard to define and measure. We never deserve this treasure that God freely gives to those dying to live. Now we're his, cause he was willing to die to forgive. Yes, his grace is on my mind. Yeah, it's on my mind. His grace is on my mind all the time. His grace is on my mind. I, I am a man flow. Yeah. His grace is on my mind, y'all. His grace is on my mind all the time. His grace is on my mind. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Yeah. And can we thank David for that hard work that he's put in? You know, uh, Every Friday through the month of October, he's going to release a new song to go with the series, Ephesians. And so I encourage you, you can check this out, download it. Um, you can find it on David's Spotify under intellect. You can text the word music to this number or put on the screen for you uh, to, to get it right to your phone. I, I just want to encourage you to, yes, enjoy it, I hope, but also to share that with people that might enjoy that. And... Um, we're grateful for David for that. But he sang of the uniqueness of, of God's grace. And we're going to get to that, that word grace in a moment. But before we do, I think we need to, to really understand why it's even important. Why do we even need grace in our lives? This is an important question to answer. And so if you have your Bible, I'm going to encourage you, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, if... Um, you have it on your phone, open your Bible app to Ephesians chapter 2, because Paul writes these words to this, this church in Ephesus. He says this, once you were dead. And I stop right there and I go, Paul, this is a strange way to begin a chapter of a letter. Once you were dead. I, what an odd way to begin. I mean, last I checked, I wasn't dead, we're breathing. I have never been dead, and I don't plan on being dead for, I hope, quite a while. So why would he start this letter out saying, once you were dead? What a strange statement. And until we realize that Paul isn't talking about uh, experiencing a physical death. Paul is talking about experiencing a spiritual death. And by spiritual death, what I mean is, is a separation from God. Our relationship with God has been broken. There's something in between us that's keeping us apart. That is what Paul claims. And I know this goes against everything that we think. Because you know people 
And maybe you're one of those people here today that may believe, you know what? If there is a God, if there is even, then, then I'm pretty sure all I need to do is to just be a good person. If I just, if I'm kind to people, if I do some nice things, if I'm generous, if I make some good choices, if overall I am better than I am bad, the scale will weigh in my favor and I should be good to go, right? That, that's a common thought, but I tell you, I have a problem with that thought. I have a problem with it because Paul claims otherwise here. He says, once you were dead. He claims our hearts are our graveyard. We were dead, and then he gives us detailed reason why. So let's continue on in what Paul has to say here. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. He said, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Do we have this on this? Can we put that on the screen for people? There we go. Thank you. And he says, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So, so what Paul's saying here is he's saying, look, just because you're a moral person or just because you're a good person, you've done some good things, that doesn't make up for the fact that you have chosen sin. You've refused to obey God. You followed Satan's ways, he says. Strong language. He, he says that, that you followed the passionate desires of your heart. And I know... I know I wrestle with this as well, so you probably do too. I know that there are people that we know who aren't Christians who are good people. They're nice. They're kind. They're generous. They do good things. In fact, I know some non-Christians who are good people even more so than some Christians I know. And in fact, I would dare say that probably no one in this room has murdered someone. At least I hope not. But I bet you're not perfect. And therein lies the problem. We're not perfect. None of us are. We can't be. That's why Scripture tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, every single person in this room has sinned. That, that's a problem for us. And maybe you're here today and you're a skeptic. And in your skepticism, you would look at this list that Paul sent us and you would say, okay, okay, so what if I'm dead spiritually? So what? I don't want a relationship with God anyway if that means that I have to give up my desires, that I have to give up control, that I have to be told what to do. Who wants that? Because if you're like me, if we have the choice between either following my own desires and ways or following God's desires and ways, 10 out of 10 times, I am choosing to follow my own desires and ways because I want to be the leader of my own life. That's how we're wired and that's how we function. But this is where the problem is in our thinking. And so just for a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you just let down your, let down your guard for a second, just just breathe and let down your guard. And I'm going to encourage you to, 
to think a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper because usually we live life skimming the surface. And, 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 we, and we skim the surface to get by all the while we ignore what's truly going on in the depths of our heart. We ignore our feelings, our emotions, all of those things. We push them down and we get rid of them. I'm going to ask for a moment that we truly just do a little bit of a deep dive into ourselves to see what's going on. Because if we did, we would probably realize that following our own desires and following our own passions, where does that get us? They get us to unfulfillment, and then it gets us to, quite honestly, being exhausted. Following our own desires and passions, it leaves us empty. It leaves us with this feeling of worthlessness. It leaves us with a feeling of wondering, what is my purpose in this life anyway? What is it for? And I think that's why Philip Yancey wrote this book, Vanishing Grace, and he says these words in it. He says, spiritual dryness is one of the most acute experiences of longing we can have. And what are the symptoms? Answer these for yourself to see if you possess any of these symptoms. He said, a restless search for pleasure, fear of death, boredom, addiction, any of these can betray a longing that is at root spiritually, the cries and whispers of someone who has lost the way. Philip Yancey says this describes someone who is lost. That is the same word Paul uses when he says you are dead. They are synonymous with each other. We live our entire lives wandering for for meaning and wandering for for wholeness and for purpose and direction and all these things that we're looking for. And, And Yancey would say that is proof that what we're longing for is God and we can't find him because we're lost. As Paul says, you were dead. And this makes perfect sense when you think about it. Because you and I were made for a relationship with God. You want to know your purpose? It's because you were made for a relationship with God. That's it. We, we were made for this, this relationship, and yet we've chosen to wander away. We, we're, we're lost, hoping that somehow, some way, we will find something that will give us direction. And I'll admit... There are things that we can find that will give us temporary direction. There are things in our lives we find that will give us temporary meaning, temporary purpose, temporarily will make you feel good. Yes, you can find those things, but that is the key word, temporary. It's not long-lasting. It won't fulfill It won't give you everlasting life. It won't do those things. It's temporary. And so we're back to square one all over again. We're dead. We're lost. And if we can't be good enough, and we can't be moral enough to find our way to God, then then what in the world are we supposed to do? How, how do we find our way out of this, this maze that always seems to have dead ends everywhere? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. We, we can't on our own. We need God to somehow come and show us how to get out of this maze. He needs to lead us out. 
And that's exactly what he does, and, we, and he gives us reasons why. And Paul writes about these reasons in the next six verses. Listen to this. He says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's what? Grace. Circle it, underline it, whatever you have to do. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his what? Circle it, underline it, whatever you have to do. Of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. And then he says this last verse. God saved you by his what? Underline it, circle it, whatever you need to do. Saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us, none of us can boast about it. When I learned this verse and I truly understood it, this is when my relationship with God began to flourish. When I came to the point when I understood there was nothing I could do on my own. It was only through him. I couldn't be good enough. I couldn't do enough. That wasn't on my shoulders to earn my way to heaven. When I understood that it's only what God did through me for me through Jesus Christ, that he did the work, he paid my penalty, he did for me what I could never do for myself. When I fully understood that, I'm telling you, the chains came off. I was free. I felt a freedom to live for the Lord like I'd never felt when I truly understood what it meant to not have that on my shoulders. It's on God's shoulders. He paid that price. Everything in this passage that we just read from God's mercy to his love for us, to his kindness towards us, to Jesus giving his life for us so that we who are spiritually dead and lost could be found and alive, all of those things can be summed up with one word. It's grace. It's all about grace. And grace is so indescribable. Any attempt to describe it falls short. And so I'm grateful for guys like David Bunce who is able to, to put to words in, in ways that I can't. And, he, and this is, if you remember the line in his song, he said, it's so hard to define and measure. We never deserve this treasure that God freely gives to those dying to live. I know I can't describe grace, but maybe we can just close out by, by giving it a definition. So let, let's look at it this way. The word grace in the Greek it, it, this simply just means God's favor. It means a gift or a blessing brought to humankind through Jesus. I, I use this definition when people ask me, what is grace? I say, it is a gift from God, him giving us something that we didn't deserve. We don't deserve it. What we deserve is death. But through his grace, he has given us life. He's given us what we don't deserve. I love Max Licato's definition of grace. He says, it is God's best idea. It's his decision to ravage a people by love 
to rescue passionately, and to restore justly. And what rivals it, he says, of all his wondrous works, grace, in my estimation, is the magnum opus. It's the greatest. It's nothing compares to God's grace. And we see this over and over throughout Scripture. If you've been at church for a while, or maybe you've popped in every once in a while, you may have heard the story of the prodigal son, a story of grace. It's the story of this son who essentially spits in his father's face. He takes his father's money, his inheritance. He says, I don't want to live under your roof. I can control myself. I'm going to live my way. And he leaves. Then he wastes all his father's money. He, he goes down his own path until he ends up, he finds himself in a pig pen, hungry, with nowhere to go. And in that moment, he says, you know what? I don't deserve to be called my father's son anymore, but, but maybe I can go home and be a servant. And so he, he goes home expecting to be hopeful to be a servant. And then the father does something unexpected. The father sees him and runs to him and, and embraces him. And he says, no, 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 you won't be my servant. You are my son. And he deserved to be the servant, not the son. But the father welcomed him. He loved him. He forgave him. He clothed him. He fed him. The father showed the son grace. He gave him what he didn't deserve and Jesus Christ is doing that for you and I every single day. He gives us his grace. I'm so grateful. And there's a gentleman in our Sandusky campus. His name's Alex Dresser. And, and boy, he has a story that's very similar to the story of the prodigal son. And he was sharing it with us. And and thankfully, Pastor Eric was able to have a conversation with him this week, and we got some of that on, on video, and we wanted just to show you a glimpse of his story today. And so I, I hope that you enjoy this. Check this out, and then Pastor uh, the Joe Binkley will come up and close us at the end. As we continue to talk about grace, I have my friend Alex with me, and I've known Alex since he's been 15 years old. And as I've continued to journey with him, his story reminds me of what grace really looks like. And so, Alex, tell me about when you were in high school and you started to follow Jesus in your own life. So uh, I always grew up in the church. Me and my mom started coming here, like you said, when I was about 15. And uh, I was really involved. I always come on Sundays to the youth groups, and I was part of the retreats and all of the missions trips. And I loved it. And God was a part of my life. He was a part of my routine still a high schooler, so maybe, you know, he wasn't in first place all the time, but uh, it was part of my life that definitely was there that I, I didn't, took for granted, I guess. But you uh, did not continue on with that relationship with God. I know we lost track of each other, and I know from there it kind of went downhill. What happened? Yeah, when um, I uh, ended up going to college, like most people, and I got the typical college experience, and I started kind of drinking a little more than everyone else and started doing drugs and some of that stuff. And instead of going to classes, I started drinking and doing more drugs and hanging out with people that were about that life. And uh, so I didn't really have very many good influences at the time. And um, I ended up at a point in Bowling Green where I, was, I, I wasn't going to my classes and I, I had let drinking really take over. And so I ended up moving back home 
and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I, I got to do something. I can't just sit around. And so I went down to Chillicothe to the recording school there, where I got my uh, audio certifications, and uh, moved back up here, and then decided I wanted to go down to Columbus. Columbus seemed like it had some good opportunities at the time in the audio field, and I knew some people. So I moved down there, and I got a job, but it wasn't an audio job, but it was, it was good money. And um, I ended up spending most of that money on drinking and doing more drugs and falling pretty deep into it. And the people I was meeting and surrounding myself with were pretty bad influences. And I ended up not just doing drugs, but selling drugs. And um, I was making a lot of money, and I had a nice car and I had all these things people wanted and you know there was that like I'm the man mentality and um, I thought I was the coolest guy ever and I still would I just had this pit inside of me and I just felt completely empty and um, depression and anxiety started really taking over and I was to the point where I started to become pretty suicidal and I knew I had to leave and get myself out of that situation, so I moved back up to Sandusky again, back in with my mom, yeah. and um, started putting my life back together. And um, I, I did kind of start putting my life back together. And I was thinking, wow, you know, like look at me, like I can do it all by myself. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, you know, pat myself on the back. I'm the man. And I ended up getting two good jobs, and I was making decent money. And I moved into a house with my buddy, and I met a girl. And I thought that was it, it's the final piece of the puzzle, and now, like, it's, you know, I'll be happy because I've got stable income and, and, a, and a great girl, and I ended up making her the god of my entire life. It, everything revolved around her. My happiness completely revolved around her. I had put her so high up in my life that she's above all of my mother and everyone. And um, suddenly everything just fell apart. I lost both my jobs during the lockdowns. I had to move out of the place I was living back in my mom's again. Um, and then the girl who I had made the god of my life left. Um, she never really actually told me why she left me. And that broke me more than I ever thought it could, that I had put my trust in this person. And they just left and never said anything. And I, at this point, I had hit a low lower than I had before. And I was outside contemplating taking my life and I was sitting there basically crying for hours crying out to God saying I thought you were real and I, and if you're real then just show me like help me please just pull me out of this and I was in a moment of wanting to die and I felt peace and I felt a hand on me and I felt I felt him there saying I'm by your side I never left and that's grace Grace is God saying, even though you turn your back on me, I'll never turn my back on you. And when you decide, I want you again, God is right there. And he did that for you. And now here we are. You're part of our tech ministries and you're involved in the chapel. Tell me where you're at now. Well, he definitely, uh, he definitely laid the hammer down when he wanted to get my attention, which I will forever be grateful for the way that he works because he does work. And when he decides something's gonna happen, it happens. And I'm, yeah, I'm back here, back with the, fam you know, the chapel family. And, I, and every day is a blessing now. And I, I get to read his word and hear him. And that's what grace is. I, I love you being so authentic with your story, and I appreciate that. And we appreciate that. 
grace is God coming after us and doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. And you're the epitome of that. Hope you're encouraged by Alex's story today. You know, I think about, you know, hearing that and, and my background with, with Alex. Uh, before I even was on staff, I was on a, a mission trip to Philadelphia in, in uh, 2010, and Alex was a part of that. And then when I came on staff, I, you know, had a relationship with Alex, and we would go out to lunch and, you know, go out to coffee, and, you know, I discipled him. And then, you know, when he walked away from his faith, I felt like, man, I had failed, you know, that I had let him down. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, humans, you know, we will make our own decisions, but it, it helped me to realize that both Alex and myself and anybody, nobody is outside of the reach of God's grace. So if you've got someone in your life where maybe their story is similar to Alex, and you're like, man, it just doesn't seem like there's any hope. That's not true. Um, God can bring anyone back. And when I hear Alex's story, it makes me think of this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You see, God had a plan and a purpose for Alex's life. And even when Alex tried to walk away from that, God brought him back. And this verse here, it says masterpiece, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every day of my life feeling like a masterpiece. I think most days I feel more like a train wreck. Uh, But the thing is, is that if you don't see yourself as a masterpiece, well, then you've got an argument with God. Because you were created. You were planned. You were not an accident. You may have been a surprise to your parents, but you were not an accident. You were created as a follower of Jesus to do good works. God has created each and every follower of Jesus, each and every Christian, with special gifts and abilities and resources that he has given us so that we can be agents of his healing and transforming grace out into a broken world. And it took a while, and it took some situations, but Alex realized that, and I've realized that. And so my question is this, are you willing to live out your faith and live for the plan and the purpose, the good works that God created you for? Because faith is not just something that you think. If I had gone to Alex when he was still in high school and I would have asked him questions about Bible or questions about Jesus, you know, all of those things, he would have known those answers, like Sunday school answers, would have told me all of it. But yet he still walked away because he hadn't believed it in his heart. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When you believe with your heart, it produces action in your life. Faith is your belief in action. And I can say from personal experience and from the lives of other followers that following Jesus, living for those good works is an incredible life. You get to experience the promise that Jesus said in John 10.10. Jesus said this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that thief can be a lot of different things. For Alex, it was alcohol, it was drugs, it was a relationship that he put in God's place. Jesus said, I have come to give them life, give them life abundantly. Man, I don't know if you're here and if I said, hey, do you feel like you have life, if you would say yes. And if I said, do you feel like you have abundant life, I don't know if you would say yes. But if you want to truly experience abundant life, then here's what that looks like. Here's a couple things. The first one is to accept God's gift of grace. We are saved through faith and through faith by grace. We are saved by faith, saved by grace 
through faith and faith alone. It's not through works. It's only through personal faith in the person and work of Christ Jesus that we can receive forgiveness of, life, forgiveness of sins and given life. It's through personal belief. It's not if your parents were Christians. It's not if, you, if you've always gone to church. It's not that. It's do you believe. And, and whether you're a seeker and you're here for the first time and you're tired of being spiritually lost, or if you're like Alex and you walked away from God's grace, or maybe you've been coming to this church since it's open, but this is the first time it's clicked for you, God is ready to bring you back home. And in just a minute, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to make that choice to take that step, to place your faith in Jesus. And then after the service today, I'm gonna to be up here, up at the front of the service with some of the other um, leaders. And uh, man, if you have questions about that, or you just want someone to pray for you, my, I just implore that you don't leave today with those questions still in your heart. We would love to share more. And the second, second step is this. We would love for you to go out to our meet and greet. Afterwards, Now, if you're an introvert like me, going out to a meet and greet might be the scariest thing that you could possibly think of, right? But you get that free coffee mug, and so it's worth it. And so Pastor Charles and some of the other staff, they're going to be out there. And so if you have any questions about the church, or you just want to say hi, we would love to meet you. And just tell you a little bit about who we are, and to help you to get plugged in to, to maybe a group or an, or an event to help you to follow Jesus more. We want to help to connect you. And so I'm going to pray. And during my prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray along with me. And you can pray silently in your heart. You don't even have to say the words out loud. So let me pray for it. And if that's you, I just want you to pray along with me. God, thank you for today. And if there are some people in here, God, who, who haven't taken that step, who don't know you, I want to give them that opportunity right now. So if you're here this morning and you feel God pulling on your heart to place your faith in him finally, I just want you to pray these words. God, I believe that, that I'm a sinner. That through my, through my attitudes, through my words, through my actions, that I have sinned against you. And that as Paul said, I am spiritually dead. But Jesus, I believe that you lived a perfect life. That you died on the cross and that three days later, you were raised to life so that I could be forgiven of my sins. And Jesus, I place my faith in you today. And I ask you to come and be the Lord of my life, to come into my life and to lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that this morning, I just want to be the first person to welcome you to the family of God. And what God is going to do in your life is incredible. And so this morning, to celebrate that, I would love for you to stand as we read the benediction together from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Let's read this together. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. If you have any questions, please come up to the front of the service. Please go out to the meet and greet. Have an incredible day. We'll see you next week.